Our passage today is from the Gospel of John, a familiar passage. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You want to read it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave the one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Love is one of those words we talked about it over the years several times. It's an interesting word. We love our spouse, and we love our car, and we love ice cream, and we love nature, and we love shoes, and we love hair, and we love the sun, and we love rain. And it's all the same, right? Oh, the beach. We love the beach. Good point. It's all the same, right? Same love. It's an interesting word. It's much more than an emotion that we feel or a thought that we have or a word that we sometimes carelessly throw around. Love is many things, but love is, I believe, primarily a commitment. The commitment that we make, but even more importantly, is the commitment that we keep. Folks that have been married a long time, is that an easy thing? Yeah, there are times when we go, okay, why? <laughs> why did I do that? But you say because love is more than an emotion, right? It's because it's a commitment that you make. So in this last Sunday here at Bold Springs, Bold Springs, I quite purposefully chose to talk about love. Because when you boil it down, it is love that will hold us together. It is love that holds us together throughout our journey. It's love that will help us to get past the times when we disagree, those tensions that we have, and, and we just are mad at each other, and we can get through those because we love each other. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing in our life. And it's also the way that we love that separates us as the church that Jesus Christ founded, or leaves us as just another club that meets weekly to do good deeds. See, the way that we love is, is a defining characteristic of the Christian church. And that difference is found in, in many ways, but it's primarily found in sacrifice. The way that we are called to love is a sacrificial kind of love. It means that we have to give up some things sometimes. We don't always get our way. Have you noticed? We don't always get our way. And that's part of what it means to be a Christian. But that, where does that come from? I mean, it comes from, from God himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, I'm just used to the only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God had one son. One son. You know what he did with that son? He gave him. Because he loves us. He loves us. Don't miss understand either he loves Jesus. He loved Jesus when he was on his way. He loved him. It wasn't that, that he was giving up a son. Well, I don't like that son. No, he loved Jesus. And he sacrificed him for us. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is one of the characteristics for us. 
That verse speaks with, it's a favorite for just about everybody, right? When we get down in the hole, we go to John 3, 3, 3. That's, that's why I'm still used to King David. It's been in my head since I was a kid, right? <laughs> for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I love that too, his only begotten son. It's his one and only. It's his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gift that he gives to us. That's the love that he gives to us. That he would actually sacrifice his only Son. Think about that. So, how many parents? Do you, do you know what that? So you know what that would be, right? I'm going to give up my son, my daughter, for people I don't know. Maybe. That's who that is. That's, that's how much he loves you and how much he loves me. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. Find eternity in God's presence. The promise we have is awesome, but it's not just there. It's here. It's with us today in this place. It's been that way. This, this love that he has for us, this love in the church, that different kind of love has been a defining element in the church. Always. And it's a scriptural thing. John 14, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's not complicated. If you, the way that you love is going to be the way that they'll know whether you're part of my church or whether, whether you're not. And that in the early church, that was a defining characteristic. In the first three centuries of the church, Christians were known because of the way they loved and they sacrificed for each other. We've got some records that point to that. We've got some church forefathers, some of the early guys who wrote stuff. Uh, you know, they, they made note of that. In Roman society, there's a guy named Tertullian, and he's, he's uh, not a turtle, he's a guy. But uh, he, he, he wrote that the Romans would explain when they looked at Christians, see how they love one another. See how they love one another. It was so different that society noticed one of the things that we really struggle with, especially in this age of social media, we forget that everybody's looking at social media. And how we treat one another is very apparent. And do we treat each other with love or do we not? Not too often it's, it's that we don't. So it's a defining characteristic for us. But it's not just church leaders, guy named Justin Martyr. He put it this way, we who used to value, this is so perfect for today. We who used to value the acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything else, now bring what we have into a common fund and share it with anyone who needs it. We used to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country. Now, because of Christ, we live together with such people and pray for our enemies. It's crazy. That's different. It's outside the box. Clements, another one, early guy wrote about those who knew God this way. He said he impoverishes himself. Talking about Christians. He impoverishes himself out of love so that he is certain he may never overlook a brother in need. Especially if he knows he can bear poverty better than his brother. He likewise considers the pain of another as his own pain. And if he suffers any hardship because of having given out of his own poverty, he doesn't complain. See, when we give, to, when we support a ministry, we support the ministry. We're not, we don't go, well, I wonder if they deserve it. That's not the point. We support the ministry. This, there was a plague. Y'all know about the, the Black Plague. It went on and it was devastating. And there, there was one earlier than that. It was in the third century. It went through, through uh, and destroyed cities. You know who it was that, that provided treatment and ministry for the sick? Christians. Christians. 
family were taking their family members who were sick and, and putting them out, out in the street because they didn't want to get the plague. Christians were the ones who were ministering. Do we have such a hope in, 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 in our eternity, right? For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him might have the eternal life. They, they believed that so fervently they didn't care if they got sick. Because, oh well, you're going to send me to heaven. Hmm. Okay, I guess I can do that. Christians were the ones who treated those who were sick. They weren't afraid of death. They knew there was a natural part of life. You know how many of us in this room are going to be out here a lot? <laughs> oh, Claire. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if he comes back. You know, John read that. There will come a day when each of us, death is a natural part of life, and we don't need to be afraid of it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to each of us. And, and when that day comes, it's a transition. We have such a hope. I hope you have such a hope in, in God that, that it's a transition for us into a better place. A place without all the stuff that you struggle with here, and it goes on truth. You know, I don't have to deal with all the stuff that my brain tries to do to me. I don't have to deal with that anymore. That's going to be gone. It's going to be, you know, hanging out with Jesus. I'm okay with that. Love is our distinguishing characteristic, or at least it is what it's supposed to be. And as as we've said a few times, this is my last Sunday. As I was preparing, I thought, well, maybe it would be a good idea to look. What does a love... What does the pastor's love for his congregation look like? Does it mean simply telling folks what they want to hear? Or does it require something more? Does it require risk? If you've been around here very long, you know what I believe about that. See, I love y'all, but when I'm in this place at this moment, my job is not to give you the light. My job is to try to get across whatever it is that God has given to me to give to you. And sometimes that's received well. And sometimes that's not received well. And that's okay. But that's also why you've heard me talk about it. In fact, disrupt sermons to talk about what's going on and try to figure stuff out as just another member of the body of Christ and and work and present whatever God. I try to stay receptive to that. It's why I'm very communion. That's it. It's hard for, for our food guys because if God messaged me to say, I want you to do this and I want you to pray this, and guess what my job is, is on Sunday morning? It's to do what God says. And that doesn't always come out right or, or come out even the way that I, I was going to But I try very hard to stay in, in a place where that can happen. And so you've heard me talk about some difficult issues and to present maybe another side because I know some things about this congregation. Did you not know that you're fairly conservative and traditional? (laughs) 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 Nothing wrong with that. I'm not arguing on that. I'm just saying. We are who we are, amen? It's not not a, oh, that's bad. It's not that bad. How many people? No, they're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I would, ha- I would, I would have to guess that most folks in here watch Fox News as their primary news source, <laughs> and they believe it's fair and balanced. 
I would have to guess as well that most of y'all can't handle more than you know a brief snippet of MSN. <laughs> That's just the, the nature of the congregation, politically and ideologically, right? That's who we are as a people. So the easy route for me would simply be to play that. I know that. So if I'll just talk to that, then I don't ruffle any feathers, and I don't <coughs> upset anybody, and I don't have all of that stuff. That's the easy route. So when we talk about refugees, And I know what the Bible says about refugees. And I know what my conservative congregation says about refugees. And some of the things going on. What's my role as a pastor? It's to love you enough to point out what Scripture says. Not to tell you what to believe or how to believe. But it's to love you enough to not care whether it upsets folks but to go ahead and do it. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, don't mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt, Leviticus. Do not oppress the foreigner. You yourself know how it feels to be foreigners, because you were foreigners in Egypt, Exodus. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes to clothe me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, can you visit me? That's the New Testament. That's Matthew. That's Matthew. So as your pastor, it's important that I love you enough to deliver a message that challenges our tendency to conflate or to confuse our faith and our ideology. To challenge, to at least consider what does my faith say about this? What does my ideology say about that? And how do I deal with that when they are in opposition? <clears throat> that's the goal. You know, because that's what God wants. He, does. he wants us to, to, to be who he has called us to be. So we talked about a lot of that this refugee thing. That came out of uh, you know the original statement from Mr. Trump when he said we're not going to we don't want anybody to come in. And it's like, okay, time out. Is that where we want to be? Where does national security? Yeah, all of that stuff we need to be wrestling with. How does my faith and my and my politics and my ideology work in? How do you love a terrorist? You know, we're supposed to love our enemy. I could disrupt the whole morning to talk about that, you know, because that's rough. I don't know how I can't answer. I know what I'm supposed to do to love my enemy. <laughs> how do you do that as a See, this is the kind of uh, the gay and lesbian community stuff. But, you know, how do, do, do I love folks in the LGBTQ community? Would I accept them as fellow followers of Christ? And, and the list goes on, right? Who is it that I personally struggle with and would, how do I work through that? Because as a Christian, love all means love all. Love my enemy means love my enemy. And how do I do that in a world gone completely crazy? So I try to be as forthright about those things as I can be because I love you. And I want you to wrestle with those things. I want you to. I don't want you to gloss over. It's too important. The world looks at us and goes, are they being Christian? Or are they just being liberal? Or are they just being conservative? We need to be Christian. That's all I'm going to ask. 
Hallelujah, Christian. Hallelujah, Christ, Father. The one time when I, when I kind of conflated this for myself was the religious freedom stuff. I had this libertarian streak in me, and I, I thought I'd confess to y'all that, that when Governor D.O.B. said that, I was so happy about that. It's because I don't want the government involved in my faith. You know, I just don't. And, and I see 10 years down the road, if, if it's a protection for Christians, well, then 10 years down the road, it's going to be a protection for every other faith, denominant religion that's out there, and then we're going to have a mess. And it's like, just let me make my own call. If, 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 I, if someone tries to make me do something as a pastor that I don't want to do, you know, I don't have to do it. I don't have to have a real problem. I, I'm okay. I don't, and so I, I, that, but I, that was me conflating my ideology, my kind of libertarian, with with a with with a, with a message here. Because I can't give you a scripture now. If I can give you, I can give you scriptures about refugees, and I give you scriptures about loving all. I can't give you a scripture about religious freedom laws. That's how you tell, right? The lens is always the Bible. If I can't give you scripture about it, guess what? That's me, and that ain't him. And that works both ways. But if you boil down most of my preaching, it has come down to love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. Because I just so believe that if we love God, love our neighbor, and prove it, then lives will change. We'll see transformation everywhere we go. Most people, meet people where they are. Anybody ever hear me say that? Meet people where they are, as they are. And then trust God that God is going to be in the midst of that and change the heart. You know who's the changer of the heart? Is it Anne's story? David Irvin? Henry Bartlett, Michael Knox, no, it's God. God is the changer of the heart. So he uses us to help with that. But God is the changer of the heart. So our lack of faith in God sometimes gets in the way and we start thinking that it's up to us to change somebody's heart. It's not. God's the changer of the heart. That's, that's the show of God to that person. Love your neighbor and prove it. My prayer remains that God will move each of us closer to him, whatever that looks like. It should look the same for all of us, and it doesn't. But to, for us, for him to draw us nearer to, to him. And I hope that I've been faithful to that. That I've been willing to put myself out there enough to be willing to upset folks and be willing to deal with that so that God can, can work in somebody's heart. Because God is a changing world. And I hope that if you are one of those folks that I've upset at some point, that you know that it's been my attempt to love you. But that's where that's coming from, to challenge you. <coughs> One of the things we tend to do with love is put it in its corners, it's soft, touchy, feely, squishy. Oh, I love you. <laughs> love's hard. Love's hard. Anybody who's had a kid knows love's hard. Anybody who's been through, through difficult circumstances with a family member or a friend, loving them is hard. It requires us to let go of our own comfort and become uncomfortable. C.S. Lewis put it this way, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket coffin or your selfishness, but in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. 
It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. So I will also confess that there have been times that my heart has been broken. Because I want you to know the passion that loving God can bring you. I want you to know that. I want you to experience that. And I don't always have words. In fact, I don't think I often enough have the right way or word to get across to you how much God loves you. Loves you. Love loves you. Wants the best for you. Doesn't want you to not experience pain and life and all that. That's part of it. But he loves you. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, his love for you is massive. Massive. You see, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. One of the keys, I think, for us as the body of Christ to showing God's love is simply to stop condemning. To stop condemning things, period. To, to live in a place where we're not condemning people. Romans 8, verse 1, said, There is no, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That tells me that when I'm under condemnation, it's from some other place than God. Because he's not about condemning, uh, he's convicting. This is okay. That helps us stay on track. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. We are his instrument. We are not to condemn the world either, but to help save it. We're hands and feet, right? Welcoming, teaching, and serving like Jesus. That's what it's about. We're in the world, but not of the world. We're different, and that's good. If we discovered we had five minutes left to say all we wanted to say, that was all the time we had. I don't think we'd waste our time pointing fingers at people or pointing out what was wrong. We'd be spending those last five minutes with people that we love, telling them how we loved them, how much they meant to us. Thing is, we don't have to wait until we end our last five minutes. We can do that now with one another. And by the way, I am very proud of all that God has accomplished in this place over the last four years. I'm very proud of that. When I walked each of you here, and I was, <laughs> there's not anything that hasn't been touched by, by God doing something, right? So we renovated the education building, used it as a youth building, a scout building, Girl Scouts, I don't know if you know this, they do meet over there on Friday night still. The Girl Scouts are over there. Cup Scouts are, are not anymore. It's a Sunday school building going to have a school and the education building all because we decided to renovate that building on that first on that first year. They got convinced that everybody said that was a good idea and now look at it. It's a place to minister. We did the playground with dyslexic kids, the advantage point, that, that's one of the things they were looking for. And I know we don't have enough kids out there doing that. Guess what? It's about to get used. It's about to be kids out there. We got that train in. <laughs> Resurfaced the parking lot, painted the sanctuary, refurbished 
design and landscape, the one out here, the landscape, the cemetery, installed signage all across campus, extended the fellowship hall, installed that back screen to the choir, planted grass on the hill, put up three crosses, purchased a bus, acted at fish and shepherd's staff, support Murphy Harps, children's home, which y'all have always been doing, helped Jamale to orphanage in the Congo get water wells drilled, so that those kids over there in the Congo where Christianity is going crazy right now, they have fresh water at an orphanage over there. We have water work in the Dominican Republic. We've delivered dozens of prayer shawls. We've supported Park Place at the UMW. This list is, goes on and on and on. God is at work. God is at work. So let me say two things about that. First, that's not because I have some magic touch. Because that's not true. Anybody who's known me very long knows I don't have any magic touch. If I have magic, it would be cool, but I don't. My role has been simply to keep the focus on mission and ministry and on where we're going. Right? How do we show God's love to other people? Second thing is, and this is something I hope you all grab onto and run with this. Grab onto this and keep it going. We focus on what we are doing and could do. We focus forward with what's next. How can we do that? Keeping that focus. When you lose that, you die. The churches thrive when they pay attention to where God is and go there. You know? Where's God moving? Let's go there. Let's go to that place. God is moving in this place now through a, a miraculous kind of weird way to get a school next door. Okay, how do we go there? How do we go there? Because there's still work to do. God's not done. Teachers come. He'll bring new direction, new energy. Support him from the start, the way you've supported us in the last couple of years. I'd say all the time, in the last couple of years, it's a little dusty. <laughs> It took a little while. You, know, you didn't know us. You didn't know. Some of the history, you'd be like, okay, Pastor's coming. Let's see. Let's see who he is. Let's see. Keep your eye on God where he is. Because if you do that, poof, that's going to happen. God wants churches to move and grow and become uh, powerful examples of who he can be. We're headed to Arbor Point. We're going to see what they're doing. Try to align with what we're thinking. God, where are you? And go to that place. So you got to do the same. See, we stay in the body of Christ, right? We're in a different place, but we're one body. We're still working together. You just won't have to put up with me on Sunday. When I change stuff. But what defines us as Christians is love. And so I wanted to close this morning. This song called Hold Us Together because love is what's going to hold us together. No matter what. The words will be on the screen. I like for you, I know it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to, you know, if you don't know the song yet. But join with us and for the chorus and learn that. And, and uh, main thing is, there's a message here that is true and it's powerful. Robert.